We're back on Radio Row. Again, I'm Matt Taylor with Casey Vallier inside the Indiana Convention Center. This is day two, by the way, of the NFL Combine on Radio Row. But obviously a lot uh, going on with the prospects and the GMs continuing to talk and the workouts on through the weekend. It's our pleasure now to be joined by Sam Monson, lead NFL analyst for Pro Football Focus. Sam, this is our first chance to talk and meet. Thanks for the time. How are you? No problem. It's only day two. Is that what you're telling well, me? Well, uh, day two for me. Whew. How long have you been here so far? No, it's still only day – well, I guess it's day three for us. We got here Monday afternoon. Okay. But uh, it's only halfway through the week, and right. it's, that's not a good sign. Uh, no, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> a, lot, a lot to be hashed out to this point. So let's talk about what the Colts, before we get into the draft and some of these quarterbacks potentially, what, what did you make of the Shane Steichen hire? What, what do you make of that fit in Indianapolis right now? No, I think it's a good fit. I mean, obviously what he's done there kind of speaks for itself. He, he, I think he did a fantastic job. The Colts um, – needed uh, a new you know an influx I think Frank Reich was a good coach I think he did a good job and unfortunately when you have the kind of season that they had there's always a fall guy right somebody's got to go somebody's got to be held responsible he ended up getting moved on from during the season Um, I think Steichen's a a really good choice to to fill that vacancy and, and move the team in a new direction and I think because this, this team is not a million miles away. You know, it was obviously a really bad season. Things unraveled, things unspooled around them. But you find the quarterback, and this, I think, could be put right very quickly. Really? Yeah, yeah. I do. I mean, they kind of talked about it during the season. You know, the they didn't get what they thought they were going to have when it came to bringing in Matt Ryan and, you know, everything that was going to be around him, a good offensive line, a good running back, uh, all the kind of things they thought were going to be working for them. The pieces generally, I think, are kind of still there. Like, it it was obviously a dramatically worse set of outcomes than we expected. But I don't think that that the thing unraveled completely and and we're not talking about a team that can jump back quite quickly. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the position group last year that that really kind of set everything off kilter was the offensive line. I mean, that was kind of the crux of it. I mean, when you boil everything down, it's that they couldn't move the ball, they couldn't protect, the running game wasn't there like it was the year before. Jonathan Taylor's injury certainly factored into that. But Mm -hmm. from your standpoint, when you turn on the tape for the Colts and and you watch that offensive line, Sam, what what happened? What was the difference? It's tough. It, it, It was a bad season for the offensive line. But again, when you look at it and you sort of break it down by the components, you know, four-fifths of that offensive line, I think, are in a pretty good spot right now. You've got Quentin Nelson, who had a bad season last year. I, I don't know if there was anything to explain it, but that was not the Quentin Nelson that we've been accustomed to seeing. Ryan Kelly, we know, is a good uh, center. Braden Smith at right tackle is a good starting right tackle. And then Bernard Ryman had, like, one of the ugliest debuts you'll ever see from a player with this constant penalties against, was it Denver? Denver, he, yeah, he came Thursday at. night. But then almost immediately kind of put that right and, and actually played pretty well over the course of the year. And he's a really interesting guy because we had a a first-round grade on him coming out. His college tape was really good. It's obviously that unusual background of um, how much football he played and and at the level he did. But the fact that he was able to really quickly kind of get that back on track, I think the ceiling for him at left tackle is pretty high. And then if you can find a right guard that can come in and and play at a high level, that should be a good offensive line. And as much as it was unspooling last year, Matt Ryan, at the point in his career that he was, wasn't helping anything. You know, he he became that immobile pocket passer, a guy that couldn't evade pressure, that as soon as things were breaking down, was just a sitting duck back there. Mm -hmm. Almost anybody else back there, I think even last year's line looks better than it would, and and next year should hopefully be a big improvement in part because of that. Now, one of the guys who's one of the main weapons on this team, and Michael Pittman Jr., 
99 catches, under 1,000 yards, under 10 yards per catch. Is that just, in your estimation, is that just based on all of everything else around that offense? Or when you look at him and how you grade him, is that kind of where he is? I think it's a bit of both. Like, his ceiling is probably a little bit higher than that. Um, but I think he does have a ceiling, you know, that, that is probably below that true number one elite alpha type receiver. And that doesn't necessarily mean you need to find that guy, but you definitely need another version of, you know, Michael Pittman, a guy that can sort of spread the workload and at least give him some room to breathe. But he's also a victim of everything we just talked about, the bad offensive line, Matt Ryan not being able to function, the run game not being what it was expected to be. It all plays into the fact that, you know, a guy that's Michael, that Michael Pittman's caliber is never going to be able to raise the level of all of that. Now, staying with that position, Alec Pierce, a guy they drafted, you know, how do you grade his rookie year and what is your expectations for what Alec Pierce can be inside that Colts offense? Yeah, I think he showed some flashes in his rookie year, but again, he's a victim of everything else that was happening. And it's, it's difficult to kind of evaluate that fairly when yeah. evaluating a guy in his rookie season is always going to be a challenge, you know, assuming they're not a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson right. or a, just an all-world freak athlete um, for the ages. If you're just a normal, quote-unquote, rookie it's, it's always a little bit difficult to, to figure out exactly what they're doing, where their ceiling is going to be. And then you add in all this stuff of the collapsing offensive line, a quarterback at the end, and, you know, everything else. Um, I think he showed enough that you, you definitely want him as part of the receiving core, and, but he didn't show enough that you can rely on him being that second guy opposite uh, Michael Pittman. You know, they need to find that guy. And then if Alec Pierce steps forward and, and takes a big jump, you know, it's, it's just a bonus. Then yeah, now you've got three of these guys to work with. Sam, when you look at the quarterbacks in the draft class, how do you break down the hierarchy for you and how much separation is there for you from your top guy to the next? It's such a fascinating group. I, I think everybody is pretty much aligned on the fact that there's four of these guys to talk about. You know, the, the gap between those top four and the next guy is pretty significant, but each one of those four guys has something about them. Caveat, right? That would scare you, yeah, right. right. And Bryce Young, obviously, at size. I think his tape is by far and away the best of anybody out there. But he's probably going to be 5'10", 180. He'll, he'll, he might weigh in this week. The, the first number might be a 2, right? But we know that that's fake. We yeah, know no. that is not his real weight. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to play at that. Right, you're going to take at least 10 pounds off that. We're talking about a guy that's 190 maximum uh -huh. and probably 5'10". And that is, it's not quite unprecedented, but it's, it's getting there. I mean, you know, he'll get compared to Kyla Murray. Kyla Murray weighs like 207 pounds. Like, he's... 20 or 30 pounds lighter than Kyla Murray at the same kind of height. This is a very different body type from even small quarterbacks. So that's his concern. Um, with Anthony Richardson, you've obviously got just sort of wild inaccuracy, wild inconsistencies in his game. But the trump card of the best physical tool set of any of these guys. Uh, Will Levis, you've got a bad final season. Um, you've got to go back a year before that. You've got some of the same inconsistency issues that Richardson has. And then C.J. Stroud, I think the question is like, what is his ceiling? Like He might be the safest of the four, but... Is, is his ceiling high enough for you to want to dedicate a number one pick or a number four pick or whatever it's going to be? Does, yeah, does, not to interrupt you, but does Stroud have a comparison in the NFL? He reminds me of Jared Goff, um, and I think that's both a good and a bad thing. Like Jared Goff has shown that he can be a good caliber starting quarterback. He's also a quarterback that most teams would want to upgrade from. Right. You know what I mean? Like he can do a job, he can be your starter, but can he win you a Super Bowl? Maybe, maybe not. Like, even on that Rams team that was a juggernaut, they ran into the Patriots. The Patriots had the game plan to shut them down. Yeah. And Goff couldn't do anything to elevate it. 
Now, with, with all of that, I mean, that, that poses the question. The Colts sitting there at number four. You're looking for the franchise quarterback. You say C.J. Stroud reminds you of Jared Goff. We have no idea what these comparisons are going to actually amount to. Sure. And one of the things that I've kind of come away with through this week is you may be safe sitting at four because there may not be that astronomical gap between these quarterbacks. Am I crazy? Well, it's also, it's not just sort of the gap, but it's also we're all going to have different takes on what that order looks like, right? If depending on what it is that scares you or that you love as a, an evaluator, that's going to determine the order. If you don't care about size, if you're like, I saw Doug Flutie, I, can see, I saw how this can work, you're like, you, you would have Bryce Young as your number one quarterback, probably by a pretty big distance from okay. any of the other guys. But if you're one of these guys, and if you look at the quarterbacks that Chris Ballard has brought in, they're all six foot four, 225 pounds. They all look the same, right? <laughs> right. Now, to an extent, that's just what the NFL looks like, and it's, it's you know, confirmation bias and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. But if he's the kind of guy that's like, I need a quarterback to be 6'4", 230 pounds, stand big in the pocket, Bryce Young is your, the fourth guy on your board maybe. And you, you're going to look at Levis or you're going to look at Anthony Richardson, like the big body types, and go, that's my guy. So you might be in a situation where you're sort of evaluating – your board, you're evaluating where everybody else has these guys, and you're like, we don't need to move. Our, our number one quarterback is going to be there at four. If Bryce Young played more like Will Levis, had the arm strength of Will Levis, and, was, and wasn't such a off-schedule playmaking quarterback, would, would that sort of temper team's fear of drafting Bryce Young? I mean, is it just because he's so mobile and makes plays off-schedule, plus he's small stature wise is, is that what's giving a lot of teams pause I think potentially? The, the two things of concern will be number one all of these quote unquote small quarterbacks they all have to play the game a little bit differently because you just don't have the view of a guy that's six foot five standing in the pocket able right. to target the middle of the field they have to play it slightly differently and Russell Wilson has dealt with this and Kyla Murray has dealt with this you have to be able to manipulate uh, the way the play works and do stuff off kilter and outside of structure and recently that hasn't gone well like defenses I think are starting to catch on to how to stop that or at least really magnify the impact of that different play style mm -hmm. and that's part of why Russell Wilson had such a crappy year and part of why uh, Kyla Murray didn't have didn't kick on as well so you have to be aware of how you can turn Bryce Young into that kind of passer now he worked the middle of the field pretty well at Alabama so it hasn't been like a big issue so far and then the other concern is if you're that small, it's, you need to protect yourself. Like you can't take the kind of hits that Josh Allen can take because right. you weigh 70 pounds less than he does. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not viable. And I think what happened to Tua this year is a big concern for NFL teams. Not yeah. taking a big hit and just getting obliterated from the blind side. It's like when a guy that weighs 330 gets hold of you he's able to just toss him right, to the ground right. like a sack of potatoes, bounce his head off the turf, now you're concussed, now you're out for whatever. Like that's, I think, the real worry for NFL teams is if you're going to be 180 pounds and a guy that big and strong gets hold of you, you're a passenger. You have no control over where that hit is ending. Last one for me, which players from, from last year's draft class are really in store for a big, big year number two and anybody on the Colts that – kind of falls into that mold i mean i think jameson williams for the the detroit lions is the sure. first and most obvious yeah. name his rookie year was basically a red shirt season you know right. they, they they took a, an age to get him on the field when they did he was playing like 20 snaps a game maximum you know one or two targets in the game but you could see his electric speed and what he's capable of doing 
um, and really I think he'll be a, an absolute weapon for them this season. I'm really excited to, to see what we talked about before. I want to see what Bernard Ryman can do year two after that rookie season. I'm so impressed by how he was able to just put that Denver game behind him mm -hmm. and immediately start playing pretty well as a left tackle. I think given his backstory, his ceiling is really high. Yeah, that's great stuff. That's Sam Monson, lead NFL analyst for Pro Football Focus. This is our first chance to talk. It's great to meet you. Love your stuff. As we said off the air, you know, you're on, on the radio here a lot, uh, you know, on the, on the afternoon show with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. So really enjoy your work there. Uh, as it pertains to the Combine, what's your favorite part? I mean, the whole week is great, I think. Like, just, just every, the entirety of NFL media it's being the in the stakes, same city. Man. It's the steak. And the steaks. And the like, steak. Not just the steak. The steaks. The only, the only food you can get Plural. in Indy is the steaks. I love it, man. Well, it's great to meet you again, like I said. And uh, best of luck. Really appreciate your time. Sounds good, guys. Thanks.